Class is in session. Your most unconventional class. She talks all things, all subjects. It's the interdisciplinary podcast, hosted by your favorite doctor. This is what's the say with Doctor Kim Ray. everyone what's goody actually i think i should say what's the say because <laughs> you on the mic with dr kim ray i'm over here dancing let me tell y'all why i'm dancing i'm dancing because today is going to be a historical day and and don't you think i'm saying that because it's hump day no guys it's just because it's hump day does not mean that it's going to be a historical day but it is going to be a historical day because of who i have with us today i have the black coach k well we know him as the black coach k and of course it's going to be a historical day because we're about to make history now just as my hat says and you know not only do i have this this amazing man with us today but but of course there's, there's two amazing people. There's me, Dr. Kim Ray, and the Black Coach K. I mean, what else can we ask for? What else can we say is what I should say. <laughs> but if you haven't subscribed, please go ahead and click that subscribe and the bell for that notification on a weekly basis for every episode that we have coming soon. History doesn't wait for us, right? So we're going to go ahead and make history now. So I want to bring on my very special guest with me today, Jamal Kennard, as many of you know him, but we call him Coach K, the Black Coach K, Jamal. I'm going to bring him on with us. And I want to, I want to ask Jamal, how is he doing? How is he feeling to be on the What's the Say today? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm happy to be on What's to Say with Dr. Kim Ray today. Uh, how I'm doing, that's a loaded question during these times. I know. <laughs> uh, but I'm happy to be here. I'm, I'm, I'm grateful to be alive. And I'm grateful to be in a position to where I can work with people and we can truly make history now together. Woo, I love it. I love it. I, you know, Jamal, is it is it okay if I call you Coach K for the day, though? Oh, yeah, that's good. That's good. Okay. Okay. So, you know, I want to share with the people a little bit about you have your master's degree in leadership. Yes. yes. And you also have several certifications in nonprofit uh, business management. And yep. so, you know, I, I think I need to call you for my nonprofit. Maybe we could do some consulting, <laughs> do you know, because I definitely need some help at, over at Woe Mentoring Works. Yeah. But, but aside from your, your education, which is phenomenal, you know, you also are doing some amazing, and that's an understatement, in the community. Not only the, the one you reside in, but also nationwide. Right. Um, and so we're going to get into that. We're going to talk about that a little bit. And, and my viewers and subscribers, you're really going to understand how incredible this this gentleman is that I have with me today well I tell you I got to tell y'all a little secret it was really really hard to get him on the show today <laughs> he worked for weeks trying to push, yeah. the, push the show back push the show back okay okay another episode another episode I had to make that flyer for for this episode three or four times I can't remember yeah. I've lost track but you know that's how important the guest is that we have today with us y'all I want you to understand it because you know it's just incredible so 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 coach K I'm really excited to have you on the show if you can't tell already I was dancing for you I don't think you saw it and um I appreciate you so much. And so diving in, though, to what you're doing currently, though, right? So right. You, you were a former educator for many years. Yes. You served in the K through 12 system. So I guess I, I would like to know where the, the name Black Coach K came from. Can you tell us a little bit yeah. about that? 
That's exactly what it came from. It came from me being in the school system. Uh, I was working for an organization called Communities and Schools that was a partner with Charlotte Mecklenburg Schools. And I was a site coordinator slash uh, life coach there. But I also coached baseball at Philip O'Berry High School and Independence High Schools oh. during that time. And now when I was at Philip O'Berry, uh, the kids just kept calling me Coach K, Coach K. And one of my players, Russell, actually was like, man, nah, he, he more like the black Coach K. <laughs> and uh, the name just stuck. So it was black Coach K, black Coach K that, black Coach K this, and to where it just kind of continued to follow me. And so I started branding myself and calling yeah. myself that because that truly lends to the work I do both on the field, in the classroom, in the community, and doing uh, these trainings and workshops I do across the nation. Absolutely. And we're, we're going to talk about that too. So, you yeah. know, honestly, I, I don't know of any other Coach K. So I call you Coach K. <laughs> I don't know any That's, other Coach K. And, you know, um, man, all, all my, my Tar Heels fans, they're probably like, yeah, we don't know any other yeah. Coach K either. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But listen, no pun to my Duke fans out there. If you subscribe right. to my channel, it's all good. You know, yeah, I love y'all yeah. too. I love y'all too. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, but so Coach K, so, so tell us this though. So you've got this company, right? I want to talk about yeah. that first before we get into the other stuff. You've got this company and we're both wearing and rocking some of the stuff from your company and it's, it's yeah. statements or it's make history now. What's it called? Tell yeah. people. So the company is called Statements, and I spell it with an infinity sign uh, because I believe that statements last forever. Yeah. And, uh, one of the statements I live by is make history now. Another one I live by is make America think. Another one is read, study, and travel. And I believe that I make a statement with everything I say, do, and wear. Just like I believe anybody who's getting dressed up for any kind of occasion you always yeah. trying to make an estate or make a statement to express yourself. So that's why the, that's where the name comes from. And the infinity sign is kind of like a, like, like a good little spin on it. Yeah. Cause I believe that what we do today, if we make a statement, it can last forever. We quote a lot of people, Malcolm X, Dr. King, uh, the things they did back then, it will still live on today and it will still live on forever. So that's how I look at it. That's, that's where the name come from. So with statements, cause I believe statements last forever. Yes. Wow. Yeah. You know, I, I've, I've talked to you about this, this organization that you have statement. Yeah. I didn't, I don't think I've ever known that. <laughs> you know that part. <laughs> That's really, really dope. I love that, that because it's statement. So it looks like an eight at the same time, right. like eight, like statements, yeah. but, but it's infinity with a little spin to it with some, to add right. some more depth to it. And I, and I, I think that's awesome. That's phenomenal. I have this shirt on. I'll share with you guys a little bit later. You see that thing. Okay. Okay. Now. All right. Um, All right. All right. My hat. And I've got yes. a few other hats and, and shirts for, of yours as well. I really, yeah. I feel empowered and strong when I walk out in this, this attire and people are always right. looking like, what does that mean? What, 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 <laughs> oh, it's a statement yeah. I'm making. You know, That's and, right. and when you what you put on every day is so important. It's it's your, so it's your important. moment of truth, uh, your your That's first right. impression and lasting impression. So uh, I think it's dope what you're doing there. But I also think it's dope what you're doing in the community, right? Okay. So I want to share with my viewers and my subscribers that you are also a community leader. You're an executive mm -hmm. director of the Lakeview Neighborhood Alliance. 
Yes. So, you know, when, when people read or think when they hear me say that, I don't want them to think that it's like a homeowner's association type of thing. Nah, nah, nah. <laughs> it's much more. So, so share with them right. what exactly uh, the, the Lakewood Neighborhood Alliance is. Well, yeah. So I, I, before I do that, I have to go back in history and kind of tell you kind of where this thing came from. When I was yeah. growing up playing baseball in high school, uh, my coach used to always be on me about coming to practice, coming early, staying late. But I had these Jewish guys on my team that was my friend and they would miss like one to two days of practice per week. And I would be baffled, like, Coach, why well, I got to come to practice every day? These guys don't, but they get to start. Yeah. So I asked my friend, I said, man, what do y'all do after school when y'all not coming to practice? And he said, man, we go to Hebrew school. I said, well, tell me more about that. He said, well, they learned the, the, the values and the traditions of their culture. They, they kind of know what they're going to school for. So when they do graduate, when they come back, they know exactly what they're going to be doing in the community. So that always stuck with me. And uh, that's kind of what we're building right now in Lakeview. We're building those principles uh, that black people, when we come together and say we have to create a 10-point plan, what's that thing that we say we want to come together on? Yeah. And how can we cultivate those talent, skills, and abilities inside of our youth? So we came together as Lakeview Neighborhood Alliance. Yeah. Our overarching three E's is engage, educate, and empower. And okay, all the I like that. We want to engage with people so we can educate each other about our experiences and we can be empowered to make the choices and control the power of things that goes on in our neighborhood. So I answered the call uh, and, and started Lakeview Neighborhood Alliance working with uh, residents here. We got 15 board members. Uh -huh. We got it written to the bylaws where 51% of all those board members have to be residents. The executive director has to be a resident. That's me. Mm -hmm. uh, community engagement liaison can either live in the uh, neighborhood or work. She's an employee in the neighborhood working at the church. Then we also have community uh, uh, resident led um, committees, mm -hmm. advocacy committee, fundraising committee and communications committee and all that together forms the Lakeview Neighborhood Alliance. And we move forward in creating our transformational ecosystem where families can uh, thrive and position themselves for upward economic mobility. That's what we're all about. Wow. I'm telling you. You see, I was telling you that you were doing some dope stuff <laughs> in the community. That, yeah. that's, that's, I wonder, though, if that type of uh, alliance and association and work is being done in other neighborhoods. I have never heard of anything like that before. I yeah. Mean you. Me either. I haven't heard of anything happening today. I mean, we have some examples of things that happened in the past, mm -hmm. uh, Black Wall Street, things of that nature. But as far as how we are organized, mm -hmm. this is something new uh, that I've taken from my trainings and my reading and my studying and, yeah. and, and trying to put everything together and seeing what the six main things that played the black community um, is mm -hmm. uh, miseducation, uh, 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 mass incarceration, gentrification, um, uh, police brutality, uh, access to wealth, well building mm -hmm. opportunities, and healthcare disparity. So we're looking at those six things. Mm -hmm. We have to be organizing in those six things and moving forward together. So that while we we're creating a transformational ecosystem where mm -hmm. residents being on the forefront so we can address all six, but we yes. can address all six together on a unified front to where we don't have to go outside of our community to do that. We can organize yeah. within it and make it happen ourselves. Wow. You know what? I think that's a great blueprint for a lot of mm -hmm. other neighborhoods, especially those of marginalized groups and people of color, you Definitely. know, and I wonder if through the, People that are running for office, do those candidates think <laughs> that it's important for them to stop by your neighborhood that's, that seems like it's really in tuned and in touch with, with their community? Oh, it's mandatory that they stop by because uh, we are creating a blueprint that that's, we're going to duplicate and take around the city, hopefully mm -hmm. nationwide. 
But uh, we also, in doing that part of the empowerment piece, we gave every household what we call a Get Civic Kit. Yeah. And in that Get Civic Kit, we showed them how the system works. We talked about some of the things that we want to form, some of the things, some of the uh, agenda items that we had for mm -hmm. our potential council members. So Malcolm Graham, who was our elected official now, he came in, did a workshop with the residents. We did a Q&A mm -hmm. session. We kind of amended some of his things, made him be in line with us. So now we're in full support behind him to get him elected. But we also to hold him accountable to make sure he's doing it, what he said he was going to do. So it's a mandatory thing now. Okay. And so when you talk about be getting behind a candidate and things like that, that could be get a little bipartisan or nonpartisan. You're, you're mm. focused on your candidate that's in that's right. representing your neighborhood is that that's kind of how it works i guess in that sense because represent that's right the people. that's right mm -hmm. that's right we're going to help you get elected mm -hmm. we're going to help you formalize what you're running on and when you get in office we're going to hold you accountable throughout the whole process yeah. uh, to make sure you're doing things you said you're going to do and we will help you get re-elected as long as you're doing those things but let's be clear a public official elected official yeah. works for the people Yes. Um, and the people have to be there to help them get elected. We got to be able to hold them accountable That's to make sure right. the things we want happen in our communities. That's right. I love that. I, I think if that, I call it a blueprint because yeah. I think if that was followed in other communities, we would have, we wouldn't need to be protesting and rioting and things right. like that because we would already have that, that we would hold them accountable. Access. They had and, access and, to them. Yeah. And, and they right. would they would not be reelected over that's and over right. and over again. That's right. right? And that's, that's the thing right. that I, I try to teach on my platform. If we these debates, these town halls, the, all these things when we're actually talking about and we're actually learning about the candidates and they're actually being called out by the other candidates, the real right. truth, the real facts come out. You know, if we were there and we weren't just at the polls, you know, right. and, I, and I give you credit for being at the polls. That's one right. step. But we got to go further. We got to we got to not only know who these guys and girls are but we've got to hold them accountable and therefore that next term we got to stay in the game it's, it's that's right. longer than that one round it's several rounds and so totally agree mm -hmm. totally agree with that that's what we're doing now because you know there's a big election coming up in november yeah. and now uh, we're making sure everyone uh can get their absentee ballots because we don't know what COVID is going to be yes. when the polls yes. uh get there how they're going to operate it's going to be a lot of voter suppression yes. so we're being proactive right now to make sure people have the tools and the things they need to make sure they can cast their vote and first you got to get registered mm -hmm. you got to you got to get the absentee ballot know mm -hmm. who you're voting for yeah. know what some of the things that's going to be on a local level that we need to be petitioning and voting yes. for getting behind so we're doing we're preparing to get awesome. all that stuff going Very now good. so when we gets here we're moving forward as a united front as a community i love that that's yeah. what it, i love it that's back to that empowerment piece that civic awareness family yeah. stability and civic awareness those are our two main programming components yes. we've we've answered the call during this COVID 19 and we've been able to put over eighty-seven thousand dollars in funds into the pockets in the household of our residents here in lakeview oh. through our lakeview relief program yes. um so we've been giving out gift cards uh families who sign up and get a hundred dollar gift card per week that's equivalent uh -huh. to four hundred dollars per month that goes towards hygiene, groceries, uh, personal protective equipment, things of that nature to help them out during this time. So that's what we're doing on a family stability point, civic awareness. We're getting ready for this election, making sure people are informed, making sure they yes. register and getting ready to go on that level, too. So it's, it's a both and not either or. Oh, wow. I love that. I love that. Very good. Very good work. That's very important. And education and, and the continuation of it is, is, is there awesome. There you go. 
so I want to dive in now to this this organization that you're currently working for as yeah. a you know job, the Racial Equity Institute. Yeah, Let yeah. me share with my subscribers a little story real quick before we I hear your story and and more about the institute itself. You know. Guys, I went to this Racial Equity Institute. Well, I went to a two-day seminar, and um, I'll tell you, it was life-changing. It was life-changing. I was glued to the seat. Coach K, I never, I never lost my attention. I was just tuned all the way in all day, both days. And I am excited that you have now moved, transitioned into working for such an amazing organization that travels the world to train on racial equity. I want you to share with us what exactly the racial equity institution is and yeah. what, how it impacted how did you get there? How did you arrive at this organization? Right. Well, Racial Equity Institute, we are an organization of multicultural, multi-age, uh, multi-gender uh, mm-hmm. trainers and organizers who are working to do one very important thing, dismantle this thing called systemic or systematic racism. That's what we work to do all over the country. And how we do that, mm-hmm. we took a deep dive in history and we form an analysis that we take across the nation and, and we call ourselves educators. And what educators do, we help lead people's minds out of ignorance, fear, and hate. Yeah. And uh, so we do that. Uh, our home office is in Greensboro, North Carolina. Okay. But uh, we have trainers positioned all over the country mm-hmm. and we deploy our trainers into uh, organizations, into corporations, and we bring that analysis and we work with them on an ongoing basis to show them how they can begin to do things different yeah. that does not lend to uh, continue to perpetuate systemic racism. So yeah. that's that's what we do. How I got involved in it, like you, I think I attended my first Racial Equity Institute workshop back in 2015. Mm-hmm. And um, after that second day, man, I was like you said, I was glued to the seat. I couldn't move. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I asked I asked the lady, Miss Suzanne, who was one of my trainers. I said, how do I become you? And she said, well, Jamal, the first thing you got to do is organize. And uh, I was already doing some things with my other nonprofit. I had mm-hmm. time university and, and working in communities and schools. But when she said it, something else, something else resonated. Yes. So, again, that. Well, I talked about my at the beginning of the show uh, what I happened in high school, the Hebrew school, and my and my Jewish friends. That right there clicked in my mind, and I knew I had to leave from outside the school system yes. and get into the community and start doing some things on that community level. So since that day, yes, I'm saying since that day, I've been organizing in my community. Like I left that day mm-hmm. and went riding around and figure out where can I put down some roots. And yes. start doing some organizing. So I bought my house not too later after that in the Lakeview community. Okay. Building ever since from a from a community standpoint. And then I started working with Racial Equity Institute August 19, 2019. So it's been a beautiful journey thus far. Well, that's phenomenal. I mean, yeah. I could I know that you've been doing some amazing work, but I didn't realize that you had your your eye on the prize. And yeah. you're working towards getting that prize. And, no and doubt now about you it. are at that prize. And I'm just so happy and proud of you for being at this amazing uh, Racial Equity Institute. It's just a phenomenal program, phenomenal organization. And there needs to be more mobilization of it across this globe. So good so, work for you to, to be doing in that. And of course, everything that we're going to continue talking about in this episode will be about the racial 
equity that that is imperatively needed in in this nation. So, tell us first though, what ignites your passion? What where did this? When did you first the light? When did you first realize that this is it's like wow? I need to be yeah. here. I think it was two things. Number one, uh, one of my students at Independence High School told me to watch this documentary called 13th. Oh, and uh, when I watched really? that one, man, it, it was it was mind blowing. And I had seen it mm-hmm. um, several times across Netflix and she showed me the cover of it. I was like, oh, that's what that's about. She's like, yeah, you need to watch that. But I thought it was like a prison documentary or something like that. I didn't realize it what it was. But when I watched it, man, like you said, I had that same feeling. And I actually cried because I was like, man, this thing is mm. diabolical. Like, yes. this is, it is, it's deep. Like, mm-hmm. it's a lot of people that I refer to watch that, that documentary, mm-hmm. especially my white friends, they said they had to turn it off because it's like they just – it, it was it was too yeah. much for mm-hmm. them to take at one time. So mm-hmm. I watched it several times back to back to back because yeah. I had to understand mm-hmm. everything before I moved forward. So that was one thing that really, mm-hmm. really stood out to me. Mm-hmm. And then uh, growing up, man, one, when I was in high school and I was 14 years old, I had a crazy encounter with the police officer. I was at my sister's softball game and I was sitting there on the bleachers watching her play. I had just got done playing the JV baseball game. And uh, so we watching her play and this police car pull up beside the bleacher, sirens blasting, saying, don't move, don't move. And in my 14 year old mind, I'm thinking, oh, somebody in trouble. And I'm looking around (laughs) like, who who, who are we coming to get? Before I knew it, he snatched me off the bleachers, put me on the hood of his car. I'm struggling, and uh, he said, man, if, I, if you move again, I'll blow your head off. And what? I was like, whoa. So my dad come sprinting over there, telling him to get his hands off his son. Uh, so they kind of squared up, and mm-hmm. as soon as they squared up and, you know, something crazy could have happened, two undercover cops came out of nowhere yelling, he's not the one, he's not the one. Oh my so always in my mind, I think about, like, man, what if those two undercover cops wasn't there? What if my father wasn't there? Yeah. Uh, my father asked, what was the description? Like you said, why, why did you pull my son over? Why did you, why did you apprehend him? He yeah. said, well, he fit the description of somebody who robbed the store. My dad said, what was the description? He said, is a uh, African-American gentleman with a dark, dark hat and dark coat. And my dad said, well, damn, did you look at his pants? I still have my baseball pants on when I played earlier. Oh, my so, goodness. Uh, that right there, man, we tried to take it to court, uh, but they said that you know, police was just doing his job, and it, and they kind of fell on deaf ears. So mm-hmm. um, the next thing that kind of helped me come to my realization is watching When They See Us yes. on uh, Netflix. Another good one. Because those, those guys in the Central Park Five, where they exonerated five now, yeah. they were 14 years old when all that happened. Mm-hmm. I was the same age. So yeah. imagine if my father wasn't there, my mother right. – uh, the undercover cops, I went into the precinct and they telling me, hey, if you say you did it, we'll let you go home. I can yeah. see in my 14-year-old mind me saying yes, and now I'm in the system and mm. I couldn't be in front of you doing things I'm doing today. So something just like that can change somebody's life. Yeah. Um, and that's why I'm out here fighting so hard because I know it's a Jamal Kennard out here somewhere oh, yeah. that may be going through the similar mm-hmm. things. And we have to build a community that can protect him mm-hmm. and cultivate yes. those talent, skills, and ability and make sure he's living the life that he wants to live and also contributing back to his community so others can follow suit and do the same. Absolutely. I told you guys that I had an yeah. amazing gentleman with me here today. I have uh, Coach K, the Black Coach K, Jamal Kennard yeah. with us. He's Racial Equity Institute trainer, and he's yeah. just now beginning to dive in 
So stick with us. You know, we, we've got a lot going on here today on this, this Make History Now episode. And, uh, <laughs> and so, you know, I want us to, let's talk. Let's talk. Let's then, do it. Because we just kind of talked a little bit about how race and racial issues and racial equity and the Institute itself and what, what you all do and right. the purpose of it. Share how there's this major imperative need for understanding that there's a difference between equity and equality. I, I understand you know the difference. And, mm. and I want I want them to hear it from you because you really say it so eloquently on on uh, that the difference. And you not only explain the difference, but you tell why it's important right. to know the difference. Right. So share with my yeah. subscribers. I think the difference between equity and equality is almost saying and and knowing that there's a difference between social integration and economic integration. Social integration is what our ancestors did back in the 60s in the civil rights era. They fought for the right to sit on the front of the bus, right? Uh, Where we are right now, we need to be fighting for equity. We need to be fighting for the right to control our resources, control the capital, so that we can go buy and own our own bus company. That's a different, that's a different type of fight. So equality is just, you know, wanting to, you know, be included, uh, you know, be treated the same. That's different. Mm. You can't get there. People are not going to respect your position until you have that equity. Equity gives you leverage in society. So once you have that equity, then you can move into the equality uh, conversation. But you can't do that until the equity conversation is had. We had 250 years of chattel slavery, right? That was followed by 100 years of Jim Crow segregation. So that's 87% of this country's history has been in some form of segregation of oppression of black people in our ancestors. Right. Mm -hmm. We only been out of Jim Crow for 54 years. That's 13 percent of this country's history. We only been out. So we haven't been out of slavery longer than we were in slavery and in Jim Crow. Right. And even though we're out of slavery, we're still dealing with things like the achievement gap. We're still dealing with health care disparities. We're still dealing with disproportionate minority contact in our court and juvenile justice systems. So we're still dealing with a lot of these effects of what happened back then. So we have to get the equity right Mm -hmm. and get the system things right before we can ever talk about equality. Because there's there's Mm -hmm. an epidemiologist that says for black people to close the wealth gap here in America. Mm-hmm. And to take 226 years mm-hmm. after things are equal. Mm. So we first got to get to the playing field being equal first before we can talk about uh, equality. Let's get the equity. Yeah. Help us understand what it really means, what that 250 years of child slavery plus that compound interest plus that inflation, what that truly means. That's equity. Once we get there, then we can move forward and talk about equality at the playing field is even. Wow. Drop yeah. the mic on that one. I'm telling you that that's something serious because, you know, I'm thinking equality, equity. I'm thinking gender equality, gender equity in the workplace. Uh, my salary needs to be equal with right. my male counterpart and things like that. But you took it to a whole nother level. And you know what? Yeah. Actually, I think if, if we can understand what you said, you know what you just said, those gems that you dropped and the understanding of it, if we can if we can understand it from that, from the foundation of it all, those other constructs and other concepts, they could all be understood as totally. well. Or we could fix them. We could help, you know, totally. make it better, make it right. So um I love how you said that, you know, and, and so since you're in North Carolina, you know, I want to ask you because maybe you've gotten a little bit more insight 
on what's happening over there in Asheville with the reparations. You know, I heard about it, but but what's going on over there? Is that really? Oh, is that, is that real? What's what's happening? Uh, They're the only ones that are figuring it out to give us some reparations. Reparations has become a buzzword, just kind of like Black Lives Matter, kind of like mm. defund the police. These things are becoming buzzwords mm. that people evoke emotion and they sound good and things of that nature. What they're doing in Asheville. They're doing all they said doing what they should have been doing in the first place. They are properly reallocating funds to be invested in black and brown and poor communities to give them the resources they need for its housing, for its economic development, for its environmental development, things of that okay. nature. So you can't call that reparations. Reparations is something that's deeper that you have to really start looking at and quantifying mm -hmm. the labor of our ancestors. It's a mm -hmm. book by Dr. Claude Anderson that's called Black Labor white wealth. And he talks about all the skills and things that our ancestors did to help mm -hmm. build this country. I'm talking about the car companies, mm -hmm. the power companies, the water companies. Mm -hmm. We need percentages of all of those things in our life right now and that would be the form of reparations. What, you're, what they're doing in Asheville mm -hmm. is just what local government is supposed to do. Mm -hmm. Reinvest those funds from the police department. Mm -hmm. Stop militarizing the police department mm -hmm. and invest those obsessive funds into the neighborhoods of black and brown people who have been marginalized since the day they stepped on this country. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. You know, I'm, I'm wondering if um, those reparations are, when you talk about reparations today, would it be the same <laughs> calculation probably not yeah. if, oh, if we're no. talking Way about more. inflation and you know oh, yeah cost of living and things now today is totally different from hundreds of years ago so yeah, we're more. old what's, totally. what's today yeah. rate of that yeah yeah, there are a few people out here doing some great work. Uh, Rob Johnson, the former owner of BET, he has yeah. a calculation. He says uh, that, you know, the proper number will probably about $14.1 trillion okay. that uh, we are owed in reparations. And that kind of comes out to about 400000 or more per black person in America mm -hmm. with also some equity uh, development and things to get that residual income. Okay. Because uh, we are 13% of the population yeah. right now. So we should own 13% of the land of this country. Mm. We should earn, we should own 13% of the companies. If not the companies, we should have a 13% ownership stake in those major companies. We're talking about these industrial revolution companies that our ancestors helped birth into this, into this nation, like a Ford Motor Company, like a General Motors, mm -hmm. all of these companies that was birthed out of the industrial revolution we deserve 13.1% of that. So that's when you get into reparations. What they're doing in Asheville, that's reallocation of funds. That's not reparations. Mm, using yeah. those buzzwords. And there you go. And they don't mean exactly what they really mean. Not at all. See, I knew you would know. That's why I wanted to ask you that. So. No doubt about it. So, Coach K, let's dive a little bit deeper. You know, I told you guys that we were going to make history now, and we All are right. we are definitely making history right now with the two of us on this. But, you know, let's dive into the history, Coach K. Let's have you educate us on the history so that we can understand where we are, and, and from a historical lens, that is, and the events that led up to the Black family today. 
Definitely. Well, for the sake of time, I'm going to start at 1960s because uh, for us to really take a deep dive into this history, I understand how we're situated today. We got to go way back to 1619 to where the first slaves, our uh, first okay. enslaved Africans stepped on this uh, on this country. But if we started in 1960s, we had all of our major contributions happen as far as the civil rights. Effort. We had the Voting Rights Act, Fair Housing Act. That's so on and so forth, right? Yeah. But at the end of 1960s, they assassinated or exiled all of our leaders. I'm talking about Dr. Dr. King, Malcolm yeah. X, Fred Hampton. Uh, they exiled Asada Secure. They had the, the trial uh, mm-hmm. with uh, Angela Davis. So mm-hmm. all of our black leaders were either killed, exiled, or they mm-hmm. were silenced in some type of way, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. 1970s, uh, President Nixon, he launched the war on drugs and he took yeah. all of the certification programs out of the school. I'm talking about welding, home economics, plumbing, construction, all these things that a lot of our ancestors were going to school because we didn't go to college at that time in very high rates. Uh, Some of the black women were going to college, but black men, we were kind of more getting our license and getting certified and making a living for for our families or going to work in the factories and making a living. And all those factories were transported uh, to China. Um, So that happened in 1970s. 1980, Reaganomics. Mm-hmm. Crack cocaine hit, and uh, a lot of people say, man, we still haven't recovered for what that did to our community. So mm-hmm. now we don't have a way to make a living for ourselves. You put this substance in our in our neighborhoods that's deadly. So now we're either going to become entrepreneurial and find a way to sell it, or we're going to use it out of despair, feeling hopeless, and that's what happened. And then for, for the first time in history, our black women were mm-hmm. dramatically uh, impacted by the use of drugs as well. So that happened in the mm-hmm. 1980s. 1990s, you come along with the 1994 crime bill, yeah. mm-hmm. with George Bush and, and Bill Clinton. And now you have a mandatory minimums. Mm-hmm. And now you, you're busting in the houses and, 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 and capturing a couple of grams. And now you got the 100 to 1. You know, for one gram of, 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 of crack, you're getting the same sentence as somebody getting caught with 100 grams of cocaine. Like, yeah. that's just, just crazy. So that was going on in the 90s at the same time black men were being incarcerated black women were being evicted because they could no longer hold on to the household with their, with their income being lost because now that black man is in jail so they had to depend on government assistance that's where section 8 welfare really took yes. his boom and the, the term called the welfare queen was birth mm-hmm. and things of that nature even though we have more white women on yeah. welfare today than any other subgroup in america so yeah. look at those things man there's a systematic divide mm-hmm. of the black family if you're a black woman between the age of 30 and 63 you had a whole generation of black men slashed from your life mm-hmm. of potential fathers and potential husbands mm-hmm. because after crack hit they were either going to jail yeah. because of the police bus or they were killing each other or they were strung out on drugs mm-hmm. or they were dead because of all the violence that was happening in mm-hmm. our community. So now you force black women have to decide if they do meet a man who's willing to step up to the plate. Do I choose love yeah. or do I choose to survive for me and my kids? And a lot of black women chose to survive. And so you have case managers yeah. busting into black women apartments looking mm-hmm. for a men's size shirt, looking for a men's size shoe, looking for a, a shaving, a razor blade, something like that. If they found anything that resembled a grown man living inside these apartments, mm-hmm. that woman lost their benefits. That systematically 
keeping the black woman and the black man apart. So I tell people today, man, when two black people come together and it's in love, man, it's a miracle. And that's why we have to heal from all this trauma that we have and begin to work together so that we can rebuild that union between the black man and the black woman and rebuild the black family in this country. Yes. I mean, I think that that's, that's definitely a telltale of, of why we're in the family, the family dynamics that we have because of all that stuff that you just said. And this, this can, this conversation can go on and on and on, you know, but we just don't have the time today. Uh, so I have to get you back on the show, but I want to ask you this and, and then we're going to go into a lightning round because I don't want, I don't want to lose my subscribers, my viewers, you know, (laughs) their attention span is, is, is probably a little better than mine, which isn't that great. So, <laughs> so I, I want to um, ask you this, you know, what do you think about the universal approach then to all of these, you know, we're talking about problems, but I want to, I want to lighten, lighten the weight right now on the, on the show that we're talking about, you know, I mean, of course we need to talk about these things, right. To, to fix them, but the universal approach to building our communities. You know, Coach K, coach us on that. What what can mm. we do to fix this? How can we, well, what the steps we can take? Well, before we jump into that, I got to ask you a clarifying question. Are you talking about a universal approach across racial boundaries, like with our allies? Are you talking about a universal approach of black people, uh, us coming together nationwide so that we can move forward together. Which, which one are you talking about? Yeah, I, I, well, that's a great question back at mm-hmm. me. I think mm-hmm. that I would like my viewers and for myself to understand it from both sides of that. Can you can both you sides. Both? Okay. Well, from one, I think we have to understand the definition of racism, right? Racism is social and institutional power plus race prejudice. Therefore, racism is a system of advantage based on race. Therefore, racism is a system of oppression based on race. What we do across racial boundaries, we focus on the oppression of racism. What we never highlight is the advantage that white people get from this system of racism being in place. And that's so dangerous because white people can never want the advantages that they have for the people they say they love of different colors, they don't even realize they have it for themselves. So I think white people have to be honest and begin to open their eyes and to see the things that they are getting that they're complicit with, with the system. And once they begin to see that, hopefully they will continue to be a part of the team and work across racial lines so that we can join in that same advantages to have that with them. Cause racism was created to divide us across racial lines and it's doing a great job of doing that because I experienced Just because the skin color is so different with how the system is set up. So I think that's number one. And we have to look, I look at it as moving forward versus in harmony and unity. Yeah. We have to work in harmony. I sung in the church choir growing up and, you know, and, and, and a little bit, not whole, whole <laughs> note, I sound all right. And, uh, and uh, so you had the pranos, the altos and the tenors. I was in the tenor section, but for us to be able to match uh, their tone, Yes. We had to sing our note and be confident with it, but not try to sing to that level that they were singing, right? So, yes. but it's hard for people to sing in harmony when people are tone deaf. And mm-hmm. that's the problem right now. We're tone deaf to how do we work in our own institutions? How do we work in our own industries? How do we organize in that industry, but also working in unity with everybody else in their other industries to move forward with a racial equity lens? So, harmony in our own communities, our own industries, our own own uh, kind of uh, career fields, yes. but unity 
working with a racial equity lens. So we got to get educated in there. Uh, for us to have a universal approach across the different aspects of black people, we got to heal. We got to know ourselves first. We got to be knowledgeable about our history. We got to know that there were some prosperous black communities that came before us that they're able to do these great things. Once we know that, Yes. We can begin to strive for that thing again. Yes. We got to heal from our trauma. So as Dr. Naeem Akbar says, know thyself. Once mm. you know thyself, mm -hmm. you will stop trying to become something that you were never meant to be in the first place. Okay. Um, so that's so that's what I think. Once we know ourselves and white people understand what they suffer from, black people, we suffer from internalized inferiority as a result of the system. White right. people su suffer from internalized superiority yeah. as a result of the system. We have to realize those things and begin to see each other as more alike than we are different. And I think once we do that, we can begin to move forward and we can truly, truly make history now together. Yes, I'm telling yeah. you, that was a, a, a lot, a lot, yeah. you know, and, and, I, and I actually talked about the difference of racism and being prejudiced on a podcast that I spoke on a, a week or so ago. And, and, and you can't be a racist nah. of, of the superior people. Right? Nah, I can't do it. And if you're black, you can't be racist. That's just, yeah, we, we don't, we don't have social and institutional power. Right. Oh, I, I said that wrong. I'm sorry. Yeah, I yeah, meant yeah. to say if you're, if you're right. of the inferior, you can't, right. you can't, can't be, a, be a, racist. a racist. No, you can. Right. What I tried to say on the show was that, you can be prejudiced. Every human right. being can be prejudiced, right? Totally. That's probably the safest definition. You're, you're, pre you're prejudiced if you are of the inferior and you're prejudiced if you are of the superior. So it's there safer to use the word prejudice, I would say, if you're going to be calling someone what you think is a racist. Um, right. It's safest to use prejudice. And, and so I encourage you, if you're going to use any of that name calling, that you use the correct word there you as go. well. So. There you go. We say at the Racial Equity Institute, you can put all the prejudiced people, the bigoted people, the mean-spirited people, mm -hmm. we can put them on a spaceship, fly them to Mars, and we would, it would do nothing to change the outcomes that we have today. One in, three, one in three black men will have a negative encounter and go to jail in their life. Mm -hmm. One in 16 white men will have that same encounter. Mm -hmm. Black women with PhDs and advanced degrees are having worse birth outcomes than white women with GEDs. Okay, you these didn't are, have to say that on my show. These, these are staggering, these are staggering, okay. very, very staggering outcomes that we have to be honest about. So when you say that a black person is racist, you're tone deaf right now because yeah. yes, you may not, I may not like you. I may mm -hmm. call, we may call each other names, yeah. but black people, we don't have a system, mm -hmm. institutional power to oppress a people and to give ourselves an advantage as a result. And yeah. that's what we saw that white people who built the system, that's what they created. They're oppressing mm -hmm. and they're advantaging themselves. And that's how systematic racism works. So we can't be a racist if you don't have social and institutional power. Agreed. 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 Yeah. Well, thank you for that information. And so I'm going to get real quick because I want to yeah. let you go. I know you got another meeting to get into. But, right. <laughs> uh, we've got a few. We want to try something different because I want to keep my viewers and my subscribers all in tune to what we have going on every week here on the show. And so this week, what I want to do with you, Coach K, is I would like to throw out a word or a phrase or something. And then you just tell me what the first word oh, man. that comes to your mind when, when I do this. So it's real quick. We don't have a lot of time. It's called the lightning round. So let's and get it popping. Bias about to be out here. Okay. All right. Here we go. <laughs> I love it. So let's see. Race versus racism. 
Oh man, systems. It's a system. Systems. I love it's that. System. I love that. System. I love that one. Systems. That's a good one. That's a real yeah. good one. Very good. Okay. Black Lives Matter or you could say BLM. Oh man, I'll say symbolism. Symbolism. Yeah. Symbolism. It's, it's, it's symbolism gimmicks, you know, it sounds good. Symbolism's uh, good. Yeah, yeah. I say symbolism. That's good. Yeah, we got symbolism, we got uh we got systems. systems. Yeah. yeah. Love it. And then okay, so I'm gonna go with writing. Mm, I would say uprising, necessary part of the process. Necessary. So wow. Okay, I gotta get you back on the yeah, show yeah, then. We gotta yeah. I just thought of another of an encore episode to this one. I have to get you back on. I don't know how I'm gonna get on your schedule, but that's so much yeah. because we gotta talk more about this stuff. This stuff is just so exciting and so intense and so imperative right now. Uh if not now, then when, right? So right. I got one more word though. Colorism. Colorism, man, I would say mental health. Especially in the black community, mental health. Mental health. health. Did y'all hear yeah. mental health with colorism? Yeah. I, I I think I understand what he's saying, but I, I challenge you to figure out on your end what what, <laughs> what he might be saying there. But I think it's mental deep. Health. I think it's deep, and I think it's real. And um, I appreciate you. I appreciate Definitely. you, Coach K. I appreciate um, you having me. Thank you so much. Definitely. Are there any final thoughts or shout outs or anything that you want to do before you go today? Yeah, I would say shout out, you know, Racial Equity Institute. We've been talking about that and, you know, we've been busy with our virtual trainers at this time. So if anybody wants to sign up for these workshops that you heard me and Dr. Kim Ray talk about, please go to our website, www.racialequityinstitute.com. Also, you can learn more about what we're doing in the Lakeview neighborhood here in Charlotte, North Carolina. You can go to our classy page at Give dot classy that's c-l-a-s-s-y dot org slash lakeview you can also check out some of the statement apparel by going to make history now bck.com go copy your your gear and make your statement with everything that you say <laughs> do and wear man and let's let's truly let's truly work to educate ourselves so that we're not tone deaf, so we can work in harmony in our systems and we can move forward on a unified front with a racial equity lens. And I think once we do that, we can truly make history now together. Let's not let one day go by. Let's not let one month go by. Let's make history now and let's do that together. And continuously, consistently as well. There you right? go. All yeah. day long. Discipline and consistency. Now All day consistently. Long. <laughs> That's right. That's yes. right. So uh, maybe we can also kind of hint, hint, get a little discount code for my viewers, no, my subscribers no. for some gear. <laughs> they need to be making you. history now too. So no let's doubt get about that it. They can do that. I, I give you a special uh, discount code since you are, you know, having me on the show and, and promo and things. Yes. Yes. I love it. Yeah. And so I'm going to drop your website and information and your, your social handles in the description below. So, uh, you know, Coach K, this, uh, this talk, this entanglement, that oh, we have yeah. just been- <laughs> <laughs> That's another buzzword. You should that, that should have been that should have been one of your rapid your rapid rounds. Uh, yeah. Words you're doing. Yeah, yeah. But I thank you so much. We've been blessed to have you on the show, and I can't wait to schedule you to come back again. Thank you so no much. Doubt. Thank y'all for having me. Be good. Peace out. 